All right, guys, welcome back to the Fitness and Philosophy Podcast. I'm Robbie Gustin. I'm joined, as always, by James Fitzgerald, founder and CEO of OPEX. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about autonomy. James, how are you doing today? I'm great, thank you. We should really coordinate our shirts in the future. I know, right? I got the... Yeah, you did pretty good. Pretty good. I won't be able to match you with the CrossFit shirts, though, so we'll have to, we'll have to do a phone call beforehand to make sure that's in line. I, I, I like this. Uh, I was talking to Brandon about this the other day. Like, I, re I really like the, uh, I don't know the history of the different color schemes you guys have gone through, but I really like the blue, black, and white. Like, oh, thank you. I'll pass that on. Uh, we've got some uh, talented people upstairs that uh, come up with those ideas, so thank you. I've seen some like classic ones that you wear, kind of like the green and white, or you got the golden, golden yeah. black hair. Yeah. yeah, and my girls have, uh, my girls order their own. My young girls order their own. So there's like pink versions and pink and blue and stark red and, and these weird different blues. They just want to have all different kinds of OPEC shirts. So those are not for public uh, disposal. Yeah, kind of unique, unique variations. Yeah. Very cool. All right, well, today we are going to be talking about autonomy. So um, as always, I guess I'll do just a little short intro and James, feel free to stop me at any point. Yeah. Something that interests you that you want to touch on. Um, so I guess the first thing to ask is like, why are we even discussing this on fitness and philosophy podcast? And I think uh, part of the reason is, you know, it goes back to that, that definition that you gave last time that we will probably, you know, revise or adjust as time goes on. But mm -hmm. the idea being that fitness can be a means of achieving autonomy for the individual. And that as a coach, one of our clients should be to lead a client towards autonomy. Yeah. 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 I think, I think we defined fitness unto itself and then, yeah, we layered the conversation where, well, where does the coach come into this picture with that? So, uh, um, you know, maybe I'll ask for your guidance on that throughout the call today. Like what lens we'll see it through. Is it just overall arching concept of autonomy for every human or is it in the relationship of coach and client? And then we can probably uh, jam in some different areas on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it can definitely be both senses. Yeah. So just a little background on the word, you know, if you just break down the, the word into its, you know, Greek roots, auto, nomos, uh, self law, um, giving the law to oneself, self-governance, the overarching contrast case being something like, uh, I guess the strong overarching contrast case would be something like paternalism, where someone is making decisions for you. Um, it's very much, it, it's been discussed throughout the history of philosophy, but it, it really came to the fore in the Enlightenment with Kant and Rousseau. Kant talking about moral autonomy and Rousseau talking about political autonomy. Um, and they're just, they're different types. So one of the things we'll be concerned with today is, uh, like you were saying, James, you know, there might be a sense in which a coach can give a, a client autonomy in the sense of they progressively be, they're, they're progressively able to um, do more things on their own, but there might be this broader sense of autonomy in which fitness is a means of getting more self-determination in one's life. Yeah, yeah. Was it, um, it, it, if you can provide, maybe we'll attach it to uh, some references to uh, just some basic reading on that idea as well uh, from Kant and Rousseau or, because I know I, I would, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Kant probably started the perspective of self-governance and, and autonomy for oneself, agree? 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, a short one that people could start with is groundwork for the metaphysics of morals. That's just like a quick, short read. Okay. Okay. Um, he talks a lot about autonomy there and he's, he's influenced pretty heavily by Rousseau okay. um, and his, his thoughts on uh, autonomy. So just to give people like, I guess a sense of, you know, uh, a sense of what autonomy might mean in more concrete sense. There, there are a few different uh, famous, you know, ideas from philosophy that might help people get a better grasp of this. So political autonomy. So the contrast case here is being under the rule of a king or a despot or a tyrant where someone else is making the decisions for you. Um, obviously, in today's culture, in today's situations, there are uh, you know, with what we're going through right now, there are interesting discussions around mm -hmm. um, to what extent should a government make decision for you? Should they not? In the interest of public health, there are always these tensions, right? On the yes. one hand, we, we, we want liberty in one sense for us to be able to pursue our own path, assuming we don't conflict with the autonomy of someone else. Yeah. And then that can conflict with collective goals. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's yeah it's so it's such a i we didn't I, you know you and i didn't propose to talk about this because of that to today right. but uh, it does bring up a really interesting you know parallel story that people could latch on to you know and know that we're not doing it for the purpose of defining what personal autonomy will be in fitness but today it certainly does make you ask a lot of those questions on what especially you you had the words in there of liberty and you know, freedom has to be attached inside of this, you know, for, and that's what we're talking about in fitness too, is this liberation uh, and freedom of uh, expression um, physically uh, such that it leads you to adapt and be as resilient as possible, you know? And, uh, and right now today, as you mentioned, um, I appreciate the interlude on the, the what's pertinent and timely. Um, that's a really, you know, I'm glad you mentioned it because some people may not even know how to language what they're feeling, Robbie. And I think what you just described is like what they're feeling is like, I'm torn. And they don't know how to describe what torn means. Right. And I, and I think they're torn between that concept of like, I really do feel that I want to have some uh, self-responsibility and ownership for this direction that I want to do, right, for my business and my health, my family, et cetera. But there's also this little thing that says you have to be a part of a system and follow by those rules in that area right now, you know? Um, and uh, I'm just glad you mentioned it. And we can use this as a, as a, as a sounding board um, or a, a, sorry, an area to play because the, the challenge of getting into this notion of autonomy and fitness, we have to talk about the same things, right? Like what, what is coercion and agency and influence inside of your decisions towards you wanting to do what you wanted to do, right? So it's actually a political uh, issue you have with oneself, <laughs> you know? Um, and so um, I'm glad we'll go through that path. Oh yeah, and I think, I mean, I think this could even be an episode unto itself, but you know, to what extent does teaching or promoting fitness have an influence on the political realm and, and liberty, and, you know, how, how a citizen, you know, views, you know, their role within society. So I, I absolutely think that's a super interesting question. I think to go back to something you said a second ago, you know, people being able to express what they're feeling. Most uh, philosophers who have discussed this, whether it's Rousseau or Rawls more recently, have talked about the fact that in a modern democratic society, we should all have the maximum amount 
of liberty possible compatible with liberty for others. That's the ding, 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 you know, that's the, that's the asterisk, right? So it can't, yeah. can't just be, oh, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. It has to be compatible with what other people are doing. And, you know, in the mm-hmm. current situation, precisely where you get the, the rub is, or where the discussion comes about is if one is going about one's life as if nothing is occurring, that can then mm-hmm. cause an infringement potentially on the liberty of someone else insofar as they would be more susceptible mm-hmm. to these types of things. So that's where the discussion really yeah yeah and it's a tough one it's a tough one and it's i have taken one. note of future episodes of the political connections to uh, fitness i've taken note of that oh yeah I, I definitely think we should get into that yeah for sure so that's the um that's the political realm and you know if people are trying to understand why is that political autonomy worth wanting i think all of us have some sort of deeper fundamental intuition um, that, you know, unless you're somehow mentally incapacitated, why someone, why assume someone knows better than you do, right? That, that's kind of the driving intuition there. We can have debates about specific cases, but the idea there is something like, look, why assume that someone knows better than I do if I have all my faculties about me? I should be able to at least participate in the discussion around, you know, and vote and have representatives who decide these things. So that's the political realm. Yeah. The moral realm uh, that a lot of philosophers have discussed, but Kant most famously has to do with this idea that uh, Kant famously thinks you cannot be truly moral unless you are autonomous in doing so, quite literally giving the law to oneself. And this doesn't mean something crude like, oh, my morality is different than James's morality is different from you know someone else's morality. There's a universal rational morality that Kant argues we all have access to. And you must able you must be able to understand why something is moral. So if you are more because the Ten Commandments say so, or because God told you to, or your parents told you to, or because of the golden rule, that, according to Kant, is not true morality or autonomy. It's heteronomy. Mm-hmm. The source for the law comes from outside of you, mm-hmm. and you don't have an understanding of you know, why that is moral. In order to be moral, you need to understand why you're doing that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yep, yep. Tough. Hard one to understand, but it does make sense. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, 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 as we go like from political to moral to metaphysical, <laughs> it definitely gets a little bit more um, uh, tricky. But th- the idea is basically, look, if um, you know, if if the if this, let's say you know, if the sole basis for you, for someone being moral is just the fact that you tell them something, well, you can tell them anything. Now, obviously, if, when someone's a kid, that's the way we instill morality. But as they come to the age of reason, they come to understand well. Is this right or is this wrong? Yeah, yeah. They have the source formality in themselves. Yeah, no. I, what I meant is that um, in in a, in there's more than two, but there's generally a booklet, um, or there's like experiences, right? So that's what I'm saying is that if someone only has gone by a book or a booklet, right, they may not be able to understand your point on how morality is derived based upon how Kant said it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So. That makes sense. It uh, and that's not what we're saying is not to derive what is, what is moral about your area of morality. Um, it's it's just to say that's how he derived at this challenge around what is truly autonomy, right? Yeah. Right, and it's not it's not in any I mean Kant, uh, it's not in any way saying that someone who's religious can't be moral. Not not in any way, shape, or form. It's just saying that in order for you to be truly moral in that sense, whether it's the Ten Commandments or God told you, you need to recognize that yourself, have the understanding yourself of why that is moral. Yeah. Um, And then the last one is metaphysical uh, autonomy, which 
you know, we're probably all familiar with in a certain sense from, you know, sci-fi TV shows and things like that. The idea that we don't want to be a pawn. We don't want to be a pawn to fate or, you know, in sci-fi experiments where, you know, someone has, you know, mind control or their discussions around God's foreknowledge. Um, you know, does that preclude our free will? But the, the idea is we want to have some control. So the basic idea that I think is common to all three, political, moral, and metaphysical, is we want to have some control over it. Mm-hmm. That's the driving intuition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and more broadly, the determining factor in how our lives go to a certain extent, admitting that there's a lot about our lives that is not in our control, but the determining factor about how our lives go is in some sense up to us. Yeah. That, that's, that's the driving idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope people are now starting to see the big challenge around the concept of autonomy and fitness being that how do we, how do we create uh, the faculties or discuss it or create conversation or open people's minds to the fact that um for, I think, first of all, Robbie, for everyone to realize most of us in a generalized statement are controlled by a concept of what fitness is and how it serves us, right? right? So we're proposing this idea that is so far away in like the steps needed to get there that this is what I'm hoping at least what you just mentioned there is opening up people's eyes, especially because you use the word control. That's what I was saying. And that's the big hard problem is, is the understanding around control, coercion, influence, that, that is really in the way of people defining what this autonomy is for themselves, for fitness. I think that's our, I think that's, if I'm making sense, that's our big challenge, right? It's not, I would, I would say now that we're discussing a little bit more, I don't really think the definition and the concept of it is that hard for people to think about. I think like overcoming this, the current uh, you know, our belief and our behaviors around what that is. I think that's the big one. Um, and, and so be it, we got a good challenge in front of us. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you're exactly right. And I think, you know, we'll delve into it a lot more, but I think whether it's, you know, in our culture, feeling like we need to be screamed at to be motivated, we need to be told exactly what to do by our coach. We need to be told by, you know, society at large, or what have you, the reasons why you should be fit. Oh, you need mm-hmm. to wait or, you know, improve your lipids yeah. or what have you. Yeah. But yeah, exactly what you just said. Yeah. What I want people to think about is, again, I use a timeline just to kind of drum up some ideas here connected to the idea is that just do your own research as a listener um, and read the books and uh, read between the lines and read old classic novels and also his some historical context and see where we started shifting away from, um, you know, just doing physical expression daily as like a daily practice. And when it started to move into something we almost had to do, seemingly thinking we needed to do it to keep up with whatever was going on or we were told to do it. So I believe there was a time probably, and I'm probably biased to this now because I just did some more recent reading on pre-industry. Um, so 1500 to 1600s, 1700s you know, pre-lights, pre-industry, pre-higher levels of, of uh, growth and technology and information as an example, and pre-enlightenment, I guess, um, where we did physical activity as an expression, dance, you know, sport games, etc. And, you know, we didn't post it to Instagram or we didn't like want to attach, well, it's because I'm not going to get fat or because I now deserve to have a big meal. Do you know what I mean? None of that was like even in the practice. So 
I would just ask that as a thought to back people up to this whole idea uh, to stretch their brains on like how it's embedded in terms of our language today, you know, um, how, how fitness is embedded inside of there. Um, and we were just, re we just got to work really hard for each of you that are listening to come up with, I think the historical context of when it once was just a physical expression as it was, you know, and then through enlightenment and just past that period of time, maybe in the 1700s, 1800s, we probably should have been thinking of things like, you know, how is this, how is physical expression creating resilience and grit and like making us stronger humans and less susceptible to the current diseases and plagues and also allowed us to think clearly and make great decisions. And I think something happened at that point in time, you know, something happened and it was hijacked by a, by a whole different sense. And I'm only mentioning that for as, a, as a practice for listeners to say, like, you know, there was a time where, you know, we actually did just do physical expression and no one knew about it and we didn't call it anything and it was just something. But deep inside, we were like, that's probably going to make me a more resilient human. You know, there's something inside. It's just the, yeah, so. No, I think that's a really good point. I, I, I was thinking two things as you were saying that. So one, I think what you just said gets to that um point that we've made in the past and point you've you know brought it many times about do fitness because you can not because you have to uh and you know going back to autonomy this sense of you know uh, not being necessarily bound by something and, and the way you were putting it in terms of our language where you know my doctor says i have to or my wife says i have to or men's fitness says i have to like you know this idea of getting back to doing it because you can mm -hmm. yeah and because and this is the point of a conversation for today i generally finish with that and because it's for you you see that so now now it involves this like oh this this is uh agency around my decisions on that right and then now I, like i'm so what you're saying is that you know it's internal and it's human uh, to physically express and saying, yeah, that's the case. And you're saying that I should do it because um, it's for me, because of me, due to me. And now I'm saying, yes, that's, that's the case. That's the reason why. And of course, for us to speak about it, as I mentioned, is fairly easy just to lay out there. Now to get people to that, I think is our big, uh, is the big challenge. I agree. And I think there was one other thing that you said, I think it's worth bearing in mind is, you know, do your own research in relation to, yes. you know, to this question of autonomy. Um, part of the main difference between philosophy and other things um, and, and what we're trying to do, I think, is, you know, don't just because we're saying on a podcast doesn't mean it's true. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't just just because we're discussing it, it, it's important to do your own research and to think for yourself. Yeah. And, to, you know, use this as a springboard. Uh, and I think so much of fitness really is like this very dogmatic process where people are like, well, you know, this is the way light and the truth and nothing else uh, can be done. Whereas, you know, you could be more of a contextualist and say, well, German body comp is great for this. And, you know, mixed right. is great for this. And right. I, I thought that was an interesting point in relation to our discussion. Yeah. The yeah. Now, I think people should know that we do think that it is the truth. <laughs> right. Let's not lie. <laughs> right. Well, there's a difference between, yeah, there's a difference between like arriving at the truth and then like being able to show your steps versus like, I think this and therefore yeah, yeah. Uh, stop backing it up. Um, 
So yeah, so one important clarification that I thought would be worth mentioning that I think we're going to delve in deeper to is this idea that uh, no one's truly autonomous. Like if we take it as in like, you know, the prime mover or something like that, someone just someone or something that's just pure causality that's not influenced by something else. No one is that. That's impossible, at least as far as we know, um, at least for humans. Um, so you know, getting a clear sense of like, what type of autonomy do we have in mind? What distinguishes something that we're influenced by versus something that robs us of our autonomy, right? We're all influenced by different things. We're born into a certain time, a certain place with certain parents, certain culture, uh, language, all the rest of this stuff. And we, as we discuss autonomy and its relation to fitness, it's an interesting question, like what sorts of things rob us of our autonomy, you know, jokingly, like, wiping your brow, counting your reps, uh, you know, putting your weights away, think, things like that, uh, versus things that maybe enable your autonomy, you know, a, a coach being a third party perspective that uh, allows you to see things that you didn't once see about yourself mm -hmm. as a athlete. So I, th I think that's... Um, yeah, the way I think about that, uh, uh, Robbie, or that uh, challenge is um, I, I agree in the way you language that, that no one really does have the opportunity to be fully autonomous. Um, and of course that, that actually is probably a separate episode where we'll maybe tie in um, futuristic conversation, general intelligence simulation theory and, you know, ideas around there. Cause we can tie in like new tech autonomy and how that falls inside of there. But I think of it on a, on a level out of 10 only for grading so people can see that it's almost like physical expression where we're just saying that based upon where you were raised, who your parents were, your current situation, et cetera, uh, I, I would like to impart the idea that you can just score it at a 10 and never tell anyone what your score is or never actually be judged where it is at a 10, but you got to keep striving to increase your score throughout a lifetime. So you may never get to what an absolute measure is of full autonomy, right? As we're saying is like, well, it's probably not even possible. Okay, well, my question is, well, is 9.9 .9 possible? You know, and so I think that's what may, people may look at it as like, yeah, okay, so I've been given this and this is where I am and these are my situations. Okay, in your own mind, then you can just come up with this idea like you're a three and a half out of 10, right? And, and your goal is to like try to move towards four and a half. Right. You're starting, you made some decisions this week that led to a five year plan, you know, where you're now, you, you ask the question again, you're like, geez, you know, I asked that question a while back and I really think, I don't even know how to language it, but I'm, I'm moving into like a six out of 10. Like I'm in more control of things than, you know what I'm saying? So I think it's that, you know, uh, probably a scale um, allows people to recognize there's no score, right? Like, our goal is not to get everyone to a 9.9 .9, um, or 10 because it may not be possible, but I think each human should strive to understand that in a numerical context because then they could, they could sit by themselves and try to understand it on a better level. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and that's important that someone has to do it by themselves, right? Right. That's not a coach led thing. Like you got to find, you got to find that score for you, you know? Um, and if that's challenging, then Robbie, you could probably help in languaging it to help people do that. But um, I, that's the way I think about when you mention that for fully autonomous and like the path towards, let's call it uh, your best relative level, you know, as to what yeah. you can achieve with what you've been given, you know.
Yeah, and I completely agree. I mean, I actually think the prime mover objection, if you can even call it that, is really a, a straw man. And the main reason I was bringing it up is just to say, we need to figure out what autonomy means, maybe on a scale, like relative to humans and the constraints that we have, yeah. relative to you know the desires we have, relative to the capacities we have. And I think you're absolutely right that, yes, people are more or less autonomous to the extent to which, you know, at a 3.5, you know, I, I don't know where we would put kids on there, but you know, kids go from being here to gradually moving up the scale and being aware of what morality is, being aware of what they should do fitness-wise, mm -hmm. choosing their own life course, things like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Um, completely agree. Yeah. Oof. You, you made me think about, uh, yeah, a lot of things there, um, which I don't I'm really, gonna, I'm not going to have anything to add to that besides maybe I'm just reflecting that others should think about what you just mentioned there too. So you can see it's not simple, right? Because when you said children, you know, it now takes into context, okay, well, um, maybe it's, it's generational perspective too, right? Like maybe it's developmental perspective of it, you know, and, uh, and maybe you're 65 and, um, you know, sick right now, right? So how is that perspective, you know, in terms of what autonomy means and, con and control of your, and having the faculties to create control and, and you know, get into that spot. So thank you for kind of creating complexity to it because it's not that simple. Everyone has to be treated unto themselves, but there is this developmental base of understanding of this relative level of autonomy we need to, we need to get to first. So thanks for that contribution. Oh, no problem. Yeah. Thank, I mean, thank you for bringing that up. I mean, I, just as you were saying that I was thinking, you know, there's a certain extent to which even over generations, like, you know, take, 10 generations ago, maybe our autonomy in a lot of different regards is way higher. Just the, just the, the numbers that we can achieve, whatever scale you want to put it on one to 10 or one to a hundred or what have you, or maybe even just with relation to different things, our ability to achieve certain types of autonomy exists in a different way than it did 10 generations ago or 20 generations ago. And then getting back to your point about kids, you know, the kids example is kind of a, uh, it's a helpful one for people to latch onto. But I think one of the things we'll discuss is that, even as fully formed adults, especially in fitness, you could technically be at the level of autonomy of uh, a kid in the sense that, again, you, you know, what, what does men's fitness say about, you know, this many sets and reps and why should I do it? And yeah. I think that's a very interesting discussion. Yeah. So I think, well, what you just made me think about is you actually can put it back to scale our levels then, right? So a children, a, ch a child would as scored, even though they don't have the, the, using your words, faculties to come up with what that score is, we would just score them really low. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they would still, so every human possibly can still be put on that 10 scale. Yes. Um, and just, it'll take years of development and experience before you get to understanding the scale, which then gets you to kind of leveling yourself out as to where you are on that. Yeah. And I think everyone, I mean, you can correct me if you think uh, maybe something else is the case, but I think most people would agree that kids in many different facets of their life lack autonomy. Whereas with adults, we could say something like, Oh, this person has, you know, tremendous amount of autonomy with regard to their business or their family life, but maybe not so much with fitness. Yeah. So, yeah so physiologically and biologically, then what would be your idea around that? I've always had with my biology background. I've had like a little bit more, of a clear concept of that. Like you may remember in CCP with max physical potential and being able to express things. I give that, um, I, I kind of put it in the corner of maximal central nervous system development as the 
as the area where that time occurs. So my question is, you know, from your experiences, where do you think, because you said children are different and adults are here in that language, um, is it fair to like create a cutoff and even like have a conversation of, is it 25 years of age, uh, prefrontal cortex maximization or previous or, you know, more current data that we need to use in terms of like, what is the social and psychological capabilities of someone at 25 years of age today relative to 60 years ago? Cause that's actually in data shown to be different now. So, you know, any thoughts on that in terms of, cause I think it, this does language our conversation on when someone can actually start the process of, questioning the scale of autonomy, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, I have, I have a few thoughts there. So thought number one would be, I guess I would maybe distinguish between theoretical autonomy and practical autonomy in, in, in the following ways. So, or autonomy of the mind and autonomy of the body. So going back to kind of what Kant said, I think the extent to which someone becomes more and more autonomous is they're able to see the reasons behind what they're doing, whether it's the career path they chose, or the morality that they're choosing to pursue, or the fitness that they're choosing to pursue. And that has a lot to do with, you're absolutely right, prefrontal cortex development, um, things like that. So that's one sense of autonomy. You know, Stephen Hawking still has that type of autonomy. And then there's a second type of like, can you actually instantiate that? Can you actually go out in the world and um, make that happen? And then the third thing I was thinking is, you know, we could come up, I'm sure, you know, if we discussed it further, get a pretty good sense of like what prefrontal cortex development we're talking about and what, you know, stage of the brain, things like that. From a practical perspective, politically, you know, generally speaking, we have to make these cutoffs like people drive at 18 or they can vote at, you know, whether, whether everyone's there or not, you got to kind of make the cutoff. But there's something to that idea where, and we're learning more about it, but, you know, around the age of 18 to 21, those faculties are at least somewhat there in most people to, where they'd have the potential to assume responsibility for these things. Yeah, no, I think it's a, I'm not saying that because we brought it up, it's an important conversation and I don't know why we got there. It doesn't matter. Um, but I think it is key because it's inside of the fitness landscape story, right? Cause you know, we're assuming here that the conversation we're talking about fitness is not only specific to an audience, right? I mean, we're, we're talking, we're talking fitness for a lifetime. Therefore, autonomy for a lifetime has to be inside that conversation, right? So we can, we can then at least derive how we got here and why a 21-year-old's concept of autonomy in fitness is like, they're like, what? <laughs> you know, what? Uh, I made mention of it on a call the other day that, you know, you can just imagine if, you know, back in the 1930s, <clears throat> or I'll, I'll fast track it a little bit where JFK was like, you know, we're going to, it was, it was for a good reason. It was like, we're going to be a harder nation. You know, we're going to be a stronger nation. We need that. Right. And, and everyone at that time got inspired. You know, we could argue till day and night, you know, of the intentions around that, but just imagine at that point in time across the globe, everyone just got on board with this, like, yeah, we just got to be, you know, we got to be fit because it's just, it's just inside of us, you know? Um, now that didn't happen by the way. <laughs> and everything since then has been downhill um, to be completely honest, right? There's been a few that are kind of like, man, this fitness thing might be good. So I'll keep trying it. Um, and then of course, there's those that attach to fitness and performance or sorry, health and performance or anti-disease and performance, et cetera. Um, but I was just thinking that you can just imagine that if, if that all happened, 
and this is what I made mention of the call the other day with regards to autonomy, and all of this education in the public school system, whether at home school or young, for, for kids age like four to 18, can you imagine if there was no scoring to their physical education practice? There was no, there was no testing on it. And they were, they were uh, kind of taught and it became a part of the process to do it once a day, every day during the week, Monday to Friday. What do you think you have coming out the other end of those 18-year-olds into this, into this world, right? Just visualize that. You now have, you now have I would argue, um, you know, young adults that don't need a fitness coach. Do you see my point? It's almost like we, we, think of, we think of fitness and fitness autonomy. It's so hard to stretch our brains to think that it's unlike driving. You know what I mean? To your point, you learn and you're responsible and you get up to speed on driving. Now get out there in the chaos. And we're like, well, I guess now you just drive till you're 75 or you can't do it anymore. With regards to fitness, we're like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. We got to like teach you this shit for the next 15 years, you know, in a class with music and lights and et cetera. You see, my point is like, imagine if they came out at 18, um, you know, so, so back to my whole point is, I think it's so hard to stretch our, stretch our brains on like the concept of, you know, an 18 year old having the, even possibly the unknown ability to just like do physical expression because it was just a daily practice. I think it's even hard for us to even, even mention. And so maybe that gives us a little bit of inspiration, Robbie, to, to figure out, um, you know, how do we actually knock down all the pieces that are necessary to create that environment and that story and that understanding, you know? Um, anyways, I just thought about that based upon our uh, conversation and your points on demarcating, right? Like, okay, you can drive at 18. Good luck with that. Right. Uh, you know, why don't we say the same thing for, for fitness? I think that's an interesting question. Yeah, I, I, I do as well. And I think, you know, coming up with maybe the criteria for what, you know, autonomy consistent in fitness, we can then reverse engineer from that. Like, what would that even look like as a, you know, education process to lead to that? Yes. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I may know of a concept. Um, yeah. It's, it's well, <laughs> well, but the way that I derive that, no, just people don't think it's just like a CCP thing or an OPEC secret. It's not. It's, it's what humans are capable of expressing. That's where you go. Right. It's like, what, what are humans physically capable of? That's how you start the story of, well, what should I do? Right. Well, it's like, well, what can you do? <laughs> you know, well, I can walk. Well, that's fantastic. You know, um, I didn't know it, but when I get like really anxious and aggressive, I can punch. Also a physical expression. You notice how I, I, of course, put that one in there because that's the uncomfortable aspect of what we can physically express, right? People don't want to go in that direction, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and we can dance to rhythm. You know, like that's an internal, like, you know, there's something, drums, rhythm, beats, like, hmm, there's something about that and pacing and whatnot. Um, we can sneeze, you know, and take a crap or uh, when we're constipated, get poop out. <laughs> I just give jokes of like... Uh, uh, intra-abdominal pressure, right? We actually have the ability to go, you know, like, like why? <laughs> why do we have that capability, right? And some would say, well, it was because we needed to be able to maybe lift things or uh, do labor 
um, create these situations so we can progress, right? And we can, we can do things. We could throw a spear to hunt for food. We could, we could sprint down an animal. We could go for long distances. We could carry things in our tribe for long periods of time. I'm just drumming up this idea of the answer really that, you know, how do we determine, you know, what's our base of support for our thoughts around how we determine uh, what we should do to lead towards autonomy. It's first based upon what you can actually express. So what humans can actually express. And then from there, I think you need to move into what's a more clearly defined buckets of kinds of expression. And that's where we lead into our language, Robbie, of hard contractions, resistance, right? Like really hard contractions, uh, unsustainable efforts, stuff where you're just like, ah, madness, aggressiveness, and power, and, you know, all that stuff thrown in. But the context is to do it so that it pushes your limitations, right? Like what I'm capable of, of work. Um, and then there's this, uh, the third bucket is just do stuff that's sustainable, right? Stuff that is, is patient and is meditative and uh, has rhythm and pacing and practice and, uh, and the beauty of all those things inside of it. So that's the lower level behind just do something what you're capable of. Now we can put it into buckets of like some hard contractions, some stuff that's unsustainable if required, and then stuff that's sustainable, right? Um, and then of course, down underneath that, then you have to have an age category, right? So like someone at four can't express all those things like someone at 25 can, but you can see it then gets colored, right? Um, and anywhere in there, I didn't say anything about a should, right? I said what we're capable of expressing. That's what we're capable of. So if we know we're capable of it, just like I'm capable of moving my arm out and back, I think after that, is a conversation of, well, why should we move your arm out and back, <laughs> you know? Um, but that's the base support of, of, of getting to the idea, to your question of, well, how do I determine what I should do to lead towards autonomy um, in fitness and in this, let's call it physical expression that leads to like great thoughts and allows us to get to that point of being able to navigate this thing really effectively and have this huge buffer zone. Um, I think it starts with those basics. You know, what can you express? and what we're capable of doing um, and then just let it, you know, let it be colored. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but it, it seems based on what you were just saying, you know, we were talking about established criteria for what autonomy would be in fitness and then talk about how it could be brought about. It seems like maybe one of the roles of what true physical education should be is uh, at least initially exposing you to various iterations of what you can do. Yes. Um, you know, exposing you to uh, strength elements and exposing you to sustainable elements and to unsustainable elements. And then maybe after that, having a conversation around what you should do, like you were saying, but one of the roles of physical education that you know, we, we could probably have discussions around how this is not being done right now, but what, it, what should be done is truly trying to expose kids and humans to what, what they are capable of to give them eventually that autonomy. Does that sound about yes. right? Yes. Okay. And again, another a uh, virtuous signal I'll throw inside of that is that in nowhere in there did we measure their elbow position on a free throw and scored them. You see, my point is like, that's where it all went wrong in terms of physical expression. We had to score it and test it like all STEM. You see that? But it's, a, it's, a, it's something that is inside of us that we can't express. And what has thwarted that is us measuring it. 
and that's where what's the whole other story of uh, sports hijacking inside of physical expression that was inside now it's all inside the public schools right when a when a grade four kid goes to class they're not doing they're not have you know um, pushing against one another and the teachers like oh do you feel do you understand what you're doing now with resistance and push harder against one another right this is how I used to teach philosophically when I started it was a fucking shit show it never worked but anyways that's the difference in today they're not doing that right and they're not doing things like I want you to pick five different tasks and I'm going to put a 12 minute clock on the board and I need you to move around the room and do all of those tasks and this is your goal just to keep it sustainable in all the stuff that you do. Now go ahead and do it. You see what I just did there? I'm just asking them to overcome these movement challenges right inside of that. Just backing up to your point, your comment that I picked up on for nowhere in there did I create this absolute score of what someone should do for physical capability and expression. Everyone's gonna do it unto whatever they're capable of. There's no assessment of that, right? Um, and so I think that's what's like stopped the whole early progression to my point of not sending out, you know, millions of 18 year olds every year out of the public system. And they're like, ah, oh, you know, <laughs> now I'm ready for this thing, you know, and they see a global gym. They're like, why would people do that? <laughs> you know, why do you need direction <laughs> on that? Isn't it just a daily practice? Right. I was taught since I've been five. It's just like do these tough contractions and maybe sometimes do stable stuff and do sustainable stuff, you know? So that when they go to the park, someone's like, you know, uh, I mentioned this story the other day, you know, it's like, I want my daughter to like to go to university and her friends are like, Hannah, let's go, let's go somewhere. Right. And she's like, uh, no, I'm just going to go to the park and run around. And her friends are like, what? And, and they're like, why would you do that? And at 18, Hannah's like, I'm not really sure, but it's just my, it's just my daily practice. Like, it's just, just what I do. You see that? So she's not even really autonomous, right? Because she doesn't even know what those pieces are that lead to that. I just try to tie all that back in of the age area and what you're capable of and what autonomy really can look like. Um, yeah. No, that's, that's super interesting. Because, yeah, I mean, going back to one thing you said, like when you think about a lot of how we run physical education, like <clears throat> a lot of it's so tied to sports and what a coach says. And like maybe you get – so, you know, obviously you get some exposure if you're on cross country to some sustainable stuff and if you're, you know, the football kid, you get some exposure mm -hmm. to weights and resistance, but like that's secondary to what you were talking about of like this general exposure to multiple different things that you are then capable of. Yeah. Yeah. That you could then utilize later on. Yeah. And the, the, the reason why sport, there's a number of rumor reasons why it's also not good besides the fact that a lot of them are sacrificial physically and tied into like where they are at 40 years of age. That's beside the point. But um, is that the intentions inside of them could be well-intentioned, but the overarching intentions are unconscious approaches to physical expression, meaning that they, you like to your point, they're maybe doing unsustainable stuff in cross country, right? But the intentions are to be on a team and to win and beat the other team, right? You see that? It's not, it's not just to learn about sustainability. You get my point? Right. We're, we're hope, hoping <laughs> that some people may leave those situations, right? And then they get that. But I can tell you personally from my, my story, which would be alarming one connected to it. No, a lot at that age attach themselves into who they are and what makes them up to the outcomes of that expression, which means that the intentions were not about discovery, right? They were about 
um, doing it to like kill other people or to like be popular or to, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. in football, right? It's like, that's very admirable. But uh, just think about the intentions of that. Back to your point of like, maybe the football player, you know, did some hard contractions. You know, yes. But if you were to ask them, well, what's your intention of that? It's like, well, girls on Saturday, on Friday night. You know right. what I mean? Like that's the deepest intention. Right. And that's okay. But we're just saying that it's, it's, it's a malaligned right from the get-go. Yeah. And I also think this gets to something that I was thinking about with relation to autonomy. And there's interesting discussions about this in philosophy, whether, you know, autonomy is intrinsically worth wanting or extrinsically. But I think a lot of people would argue that autonomy is intrinsically worth wanting. That thing is something you want to achieve in and of itself, irrespective of any other things you might get out of it. And I think going back to what you were saying, one of the things that's kind of been hijacked is we're not doing physical expression just for the sake of physical expression as we're teaching kids. It's like, you know, you know, football player doing it for the girls or for the Friday night, you know, game or what have you, or to beat this other person. And it, it's not that the competitive thing is, is, is wrong or shouldn't be some element of it, but this idea that we're, we're doing, we're engaging in these activities to gain this thing autonomy that is intrinsically worthwhile. It's, mm -hmm. it's not just something we do for the sake of something else. Yes. So yeah. I, I think that's worth noting too, bringing it back to kind of, you know, why is autonomy even important in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think I've spoken about that before, but uh, maybe just your thoughts on it too, or other listeners can think about that is, you know, when will we get to the point where, or if we will, or even just the thought where there's an entire generation that 95 plus percent of them have those, have those well-intentioned perspectives on physical expression. Do you know I mean like, is it possible? Is it humanly possible anymore? Was there a period of time where that was the case where I could argue at some points there probably was. Um, so I don't know. I just think it's just an interesting, interesting thought process for those. Yeah, I do too about like, could, is it even possible at this point to set up a structure either in the schools or something like that, that could allow for something like that? Yeah. That tips it over on a large scale. So again, as I said, the, the 18 year old coming out, right? No judgment. Not, it's just basically, it's what, it's what you know now, right? It's like, it's a, you know, cause I hear a number of people talking about a major fix for things could be that we almost force feed, you know, uh, math as an example, right? Like we, we force and ensure everyone regardless, right? Regardless of capability and what they're, what they, at a certain point in time at 18, they need to know these things for math. And a lot of people have said, if that was fixed, it would connect a whole bunch of other things down the road, right? Whether they're right or wrong, it's just an interesting point. I'm saying the same thing, right? So what would be the tipping point that would ensure we all get on board to allowing people to have this physical expression without judgment and marking, you know, three or four times a week. So they just see it's daily practice, right? And that I believe is the purest form of physical education because it ties into you making them autonomous over time. Yeah. And I think that we, we didn't plan to go there from the start of our call, but we can see that it's just one of the, one of the issues is trying to um, create that language and understand the behaviors around that, the folks that don't have autonomy. I think that's, that's cool that we kind of found that out, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it relates to, I mean, the education of this stuff relates even more broadly to how someone then becomes autonomous later on in their life. Like how, how can the autonomy that you, get in fitness bleed over yes, into autonomy yes. and other aspects of life. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oof. <laughs> so that that's actually one of the things I guess I wanted to good one to ask you here. So I, I think there there could be multiple different senses of autonomy that we could discuss, but two main ones that I was thinking of in, in terms of our discussion. So when we say that fitness is meant to lead us towards autonomy, one sense that I think is you know good to point out. Um, but exists at one level is, you know, the idea like, look, again, no one's wiping our forehead, no one's putting away our weights, no one's counting our reps, no one's screaming at us to soul cycle harder or whatever it is. And it goes back to this idea of being intrinsically motivated to do something. Mm -hmm. But then I think there's this deeper notion of autonomy that I think would be interesting to discuss of being in control of one's life and its outcome and how fitness can help establish that. Like once you're in control of what you do fitness wise, how can that translate to, you know, the personal life, to the business life, to what life means and things like that. So um, thoughts on those senses of autonomy and, and yeah. yeah, general thoughts there. Yeah. The, the thing I, the word comes to mind, uh, Robbie is experience. You know, I feel that uh, there's something, something to be said about, um, you know, one thing in reading books and hearing it in articles and listening to someone speak about it. But uh it really takes experiences, you know, and a lot of experiences to drive this, what you're calling this transfer of characteristic of learning. So meaning you, know, you got, you got to, you got to get into fitness. Now you can back me up and say, well, let's start there. Then like, how do we get people to that point? But people have to experience, you know, this whole challenge around what they're capable of doing and expressing and they need to do it over and over and over. Like they need to have experiences, right? They need to feel it. They need to touch it and smell it and like, and then, and then strategize on it and try to overcome it. And, and so I think it's all those experiences that lead people to at some point on those experiences, they start seeing these you know, like something happens at work, right? And it's two years into all these physical experiences and something happens at work and they move through something in there as a challenge. And then they debrief after that and go, there it was. Like it, it, they see these parallels between this cognitive challenge and how they were able to like take a breath, uh, notice what's going on, try to overcome, you know, what's happening here, you know, see what's happening around the room, have everyone else reacting to that and then kind of move through it. Right. And then on the back end, they took that moment to debriefing and started this, you know, uh, level of gratitude around all the physical challenging experiences they had and how those were just like uh, a warm up to allow them to get to that situation and go, wow, if I'll, through all those physical experiences, it allowed me to see that that's a practice of something in which I'm in control of and that I can express, this is the messed up thing, that they, they get this aha moment that it can lead to characteristic transfer over to another part of their life, right? And we've all had, well, I would say a lot of our listeners I would say, yes, you've all had it. You may have not have sensed it or been able to put something on it, but you have had it. If you practice physical training over time, there has been points in other aspects outside of the physical training where you're like, there's the carryover, right? Like there's, there's some kind of carryover to other challenges in life and autonomy around other things 
Um, and it probably needs to be in a different language, probably, uh, Robbie, I'm sensing, but at least agency, self-agency around all those other things, you know? Um, so I think, I think it takes experiences. Um, and then now, you know, to back up, we got to, we got to think about what trips people up and what trips the system up and what trips everyone up around gaining experiences to eventually get to the point where, you know, a coach is there for them, you know, at that point in time where they come and tell them that story, right? Hey, Robbie, you know, the other day, I just wanted to reflect upon something and I'm so grateful that you've helped me. And let me tell you the story, you know, I was at the office and went through this thing. And after I debriefed, I was like, man, like, mean, that was nothing like some of the workouts that we did. Do you see that? It's like, there it is, right? There's the aha moment, right? Um, and you just go, <laughs> namaste, you know, um, excellent noticing, move on, right? But that's the characteristic transfer that I think we hope, uh, or so, I would say uh, has happened. It has happened a lot, you know? And, um, and so I think to back up, there's some, you know, some area, some people go down this uh, nihilistic tendencies around physical expression that don't allow them to get to the point to see those characteristic transfers, meaning that the intentions towards exercise become just basically downtrodden and, and futile, right? It's just like, let's suffer some more and let's suffer some more. It doesn't allow this awareness opportunity to see autonomy. But then there's a lot of other people that over time, if they just go through these experiences, um, then I think it gets them to that point. They can see this uh, transfer. Yeah, I think that's super interesting. A couple of things came to mind when you were um, describing that. So one is, and you know, correct me if you, if you think something else here, but it seems to me that one of the ways in which we're not, you know, we're not such fans of, you know, these different things of putting someone's weights, weights away or wiping someone's brow or, um, you know, screaming at them to do the workout just the way you put it, it seems maybe the reason why those things aren't as great is because they, they rob someone of a certain experience that then leads to autonomy. Going back to that notion of experience of, um, there's something qualitative about the, and, and that leads me to the second thing I was thinking, which is, <clears throat> you know, it's one thing to um, get tenure, which is a tremendous accomplishment or turn in a report at work. And these things are all great, but there's something qualitatively different about fitness experiences that can then lend itself to other things. And you can see similarities, but you're missing some aspect of human experience by not having this qualitatively unique experience in this, this realm that is just a part of biology. Yes. It's not like math. It's not like turning in a report. It's not like turning in tenure. It's a fundamental feature of who we are. So those are just a couple of things I was thinking as you were saying that. I thought it was super yeah. interesting. Yeah. And you are tying in now, I guess, some of the relationship aspect of coach and client in that storyline, right? Because what we just did is we brought in the coach to this story, right? We took away right. this self-autonomy. We were like, well, how do we get there? It was through relations. Okay. Well, you know, where does the coach sit on that? And then I talked through a coach's lens and I gave the coach client story. But that's important because it's, uh, to your point, wiping brow, putting away weights. Um, that's what we can see or we can like say is what's incorrect language, what's incorrect behaviors, what's good behaviors, right? And morality in terms of like the fitness experience relationship. Um, but what we're saying there is that as a rule and principle, you know, in that relationship, that's why we said, and that's in the definition of fitness, I said, we got to be working towards with someone else. We got to be working towards this person's own definition of autonomy through their own experiences, right? 
And along the way, you will support them, right? There is support, but there's also challenge and there's also learning. And this is where, this is where the like, let's, you know, they're scoring one out of 10, right? Out of autonomy, your whole goal, every session and every interaction is to like, is to allow that open space of like, what did you learn? How is that like upgrading your systems? How is that upgrading this expression? How is that upgrading your autonomy, right? We're always, we're always overlapping that. Now our language of it and how it takes place is to each their own, but that's what, that's what uh, makes me think about, you know, some of the queries you had based on my conversation that, you know, the coach, this is what should inspire coaches or possibly listeners in is that we want to have, and maybe this changes a bit of our definition of fitness is including something, some, somewhere in the aspect of leadership and relationship and, and relations, right? Like maybe, maybe fitness unto itself needs to change and have, you know, human relationships inside the definition, meaning that we're understanding that as a, as a human race, you know, we need guidance and leadership and, and some people to actually define that for us. Am I making sense? So yes. we change up our definition of fitness to not only be autonomy, but it's a, it's a journey of humans through this process, right? It's a journey of people. It's a journey of a collective of people that we do it as a team. Um, you know, and in, in practice, it's coach client, but we have to work together and then it creates a collective story on working towards those things. But it, it then helps me. And I mean, I feel better by it because then it helps me define like, where does the coach come into this? Right. Um, you know, who we seemingly would think that they are autonomous, right? They can still be practicing things and learning things, but they really are able of going out there and doing what's necessary. And, but they need to be able to speak to that. And how do they do that? They do it through their experiences. And then how do they impart it so that it gets into someone else's brain is that you're always having the overarching idea that this is a long-term autonomous process for them. Secondly, they got to be learning, right? They have to be learning. And then with inside that practice, there's support and challenge, right? To your point, wiping the brow, putting weights away, and then challenge like, come on, you know, two more, right? So that, that beautiful interplay allows the debrief at the end to go, what did you learn there? And they go, I learned a little bit about not listening to what my mind was saying was a limitation. You see that? And now they're overcoming some of these limitations and then they go to the office and overcome that shitty story is like, ah, aha, you know, aha moments, right? Uh, I didn't give in. I overcame those limitations. I really believed I could, et cetera, et cetera. It leads to, you know, more positive opportunities towards autonomy. Yeah, absolutely. And not just physical um, challenges, but intellectual challenges as a coach, you know, different ways of thinking around, um, you know, how you think about your work or how you think about your life or, you know, I mean, things yeah. that you wouldn't typically get in what we standardly think of as fitness, like, you know, yeah. these broader conversations. Yeah. I love the idea there because we can not only then lay out this strategy element in terms of overcoming movement solutions, right. Along with just this thought process of what people should do for exercise. So there's two cognitive challenges there that are not even physical. It's like, how should I strategize to overcome these movement solutions, right? And how do I basically do these things and, and, uh, and be competent enough to be able to perform them, right? So those are two 
as you said, intellectual things even prior to the physical experience, right? So that even adds more flavor is the, is the mind brain challenge um, that people can get inspired by, you know, inside yeah. of physical expression. That's kind of stops my brain a little bit because then I'm, I start thinking about chicken in the chicken and the egg. <laughs> What's coming first, right? Do you force physical expression? So people are like, Oh my God, I see, I see things, <laughs> you know, right. or is it like, I need to like strategize to get to be able to see things. Yeah. Probably a mutually reinforcing kind of good answer. <laughs> That's the philosopher's cop out, right? It's, it's the tur turtles all the way down. They kind of, yeah, they all support each other. Um, so going back to the coach thing, that was actually something I was curious about and I wanted to hear your thoughts on. So, um, you know, we could probably make a spectrum, right, of what we consider to be coaching that is more geared towards autonomy for the client and coaching that's yes. less geared. So obviously on one side is the stuff we talked about, wiping the brow, putting the weights away. Mm -hmm. And then there are other things like, you will do this because we program this and, yeah. you know, th this way of training is the only way of training. but. I think on the other end where you, where you think of the coach as a guide to pre present you with these physical or even intellectual challenges that you have to overcome. I personally think, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts here. I've always been a fan of the phrase um, or the saying, any lawyer who represents himself has a fool for a client. Um, and I think, I think, you know, the same way therapists have their therapists, um, you know, nutrition coaches have nutrition coaches. I think there's something to that, third party perspective. So it's an interesting question about like, how does autonomy relate, you know, autonomy, we think of, okay, well, the individual is doing this thing, and you know, they're in control. But I think there's a sense in which the coach as guide could, could lend themselves to autonomy in the sense that they are providing things that the individual cannot see themselves on their own, because they are too tied emotionally to certain things, or just don't have that third party perspective. I'm just curious your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I think I see it as like a lens of uh, the aspect of uh, teaching is is different than physical expression autonomy, um, and then I, and I, that's just where my where my thoughts go on it is that there's actually two things in place. Uh, we have we're making this assumption that the physical fitness coach fully understands the concept of physical autonomy and fitness autonomy, right? So they fully understand it. It doesn't mean that they have had the experiences or they're old enough or whatever, but as the coach and as they sit and how they act and behave, they fully understand it and dare I say, believe in it as the highest order version of their relationships with people, okay? So that's, that's, what I, that's how I come into that conversation with. And then I just think, well, what, what are they, what is their role in terms of the relationship? Because it's a dyadic relationship. It's not a monad, right? It's a dyadic relationship of tension where the, the teacher now is the teacher in what, what you were just saying. And I think maybe correct me if I'm wrong with the way I was perceiving it is that we're trying to look at the teacher in terms of their own fitness autonomy. And I'm just saying it's, it shouldn't be inside the conversation because then it becomes a Johnny, not the teacher it becomes a monad of Johnny and his own physical autonomy. So I'm making the assumption and the presumption that the teacher has full awareness and concept and a belief in autonomy inside the relationship. And so then the challenges are proposed 
for them, I think, is a new challenge of how do you teach over time such that as it looks like this when you start, like you're really dependent in a relationship. And then over time, there's less learning and there's kind of check-ins. And then long-term, it actually moves away from one another, right? And that's the definition of autonomy. So it's like this, and then it becomes like this, and then it's like that. And that is, is true, truly defined autonomy because the client has moved off over here, right? And they're on their own. They're self-governed, right? But they have, they've picked up all of these characteristics and skills and they've been educated for all this period of time, right? But still the coach inside that story, I'm presuming Robbie way down here, they already know this entire story and they believe in it. Do you see that? So um, I'm not sure if that's what you were interested in my thoughts on it, but that's where my mind goes in terms of where the coach sits in autonomy for they themselves. I think it's two different stories. It's a teacher's story. And then there's like Johnny, the coach's physical fitness story, which ironically, yeah. which ironically, Johnny may still need a teacher. So, so Johnny, the coach is, is like experiencing physical fitness and physical autonomy um, over time. They, but they may have just a, a different medium of a coach. So a coach may have a coach, right? Um, and that's, you know, the fitness environment is certainly set up for that, for a coach to have a coach and, and that coach to have a coach, you know what I'm saying? To keep on. But I'm, I'm saying that it's, it's all, all of them all believe already in the the autonomy process yeah they already believe in it and they already like um they know that that's what they want to do if that makes sense it does yeah and that hit a lot of the things i was thinking about let me see if i can do a better job of um uh setting up what what i was thinking about so i, I was thinking of contrast cases the other day that i was talking about with brandon so so think of like nutrition and fdn for example so realistically if you're with someone for a year and you're doing nutrition with them and you get the food quality down, you get the BLGs, you get the timing, you get the quantity, you get all that stuff. For the most part, yeah, you could work on micronutrients and food sensitivities and you know, there's a whole keto and a whole realm of things you could touch on. But generally speaking, someone doesn't need to do food journals for the rest of their life and have a nutrition coach. Yes. However, this is where I'm curious your thoughts. Yes. I feel like there isn't a symmetry in the case of fitness. I feel like in the case of fitness, you know, going back to something you said either one episode ago or two episodes ago, we're talking about this note that as you go on your journey, you constantly want to be touching that limit of where you're at in terms of physical expression. And I, I personally think, but I'm super interested to hear what you think, that something that a coach can do is help you see where that's at in a way in which you can't necessarily see it for yourself. Even if you've been with a coach for 10 years, you get better and better at seeing it. Yes. But, you know, unless you've done CCP or you have experience in programming, like having that third party perspective is helpful. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I love that uh, that you put it into me looking at it in two buckets. So the way that I uh, of nutrition and exercise and then if we wanted to put behavior in there, too, it would confound all of it. But we'll just go nutrition and exercise. Um, so I love that you've done that. And this is what I think about every and and it's not, you know, to your point, um, you know, it's not like we haven't tried to make nutrition coaches for 10 years in a row, but it didn't work. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's not like we're, we're just saying like, oh, well, what are those guys talking about? It's like, well, we've tried it and it just doesn't work. But it's, I think it has to do with 
um, it could be our uh, acknowledgement that we we probably know more about physical participation and physical challenges um, about this word or what I'll call potential. So we probably have so much to learn and the story takes a longer period of time in physical potential as opposed to nutritional fueling potential. So there's, so there's this like, you know, a human comes in, they have this, let's, let's call it a skill, a skill capability of getting to their highest potential of the nutrition behaviors. Okay. And, and we meet them here. And this is my point. It's, it doesn't take in general principles. It doesn't take a lot to get to like very close to your max potential inside of your nutritional behaviors. And then you just pr press rinse and repeat. Right. And we could talk about all the drama that can go inside of, no, 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 it's more complex than that is beside the point. But, but so inside of the physical expression, and we're not biased to this because again, observation and empirical data has shown it to be right. It's shown it to be, um, we've seen that when people just do only resistance and cyclical cardiovascular work after numbers of years, they still search for more. Why? Why? Because they have this higher level of what's considered potential, maximum physical potential. So what we're really discussing there in two buckets too is, is putting the mechanical skill potential up against the metabolic skill potential. And the mechanical skill potential is very broad and deep for every human. And we, we, just, we just know that to be true. So that's why what you're saying in fitness, there's a lot more possible guidance needed, uh, uh, challenge and support, um, and teaching of autonomy and teaching of this physical potential practice because we just haven't, we don't have it in our repertoire or our language as a human race to understand all of these physical challenges we can do, right? That we're physically capable of. Um, not to go way off on this one, but I think that's one of the biggest um, issues around human potential since the 1960s and 70s is as the increase of technology and information sharing went up, our whole appreciation for where we can go in potential physically went down. Our whole discovery around it. You know, you, there's, you know as I just saying the other day, where, where are the Muhammad Ali's and the, and the uh, astronauts? And the, you know, where are these unbelievable physical human specimens today and all the stories around it, right? In, instead, we have droves of people who are cognitively, you know, psychedelically blowing the caps off IG. You know what I'm saying? It's like, is, I think that's, that's really the, 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 the difference there. So I love that you've done that. Put it in a nutrition skill potential and then put it up against physical potential. And I think we haven't even touched the, the teaching and the learning inside of physical potential such that people can see this beautiful 50 year plan of being with someone and learning about how to discover all these physical things. So much to be learned inside of physical potential. It's just, Ooh, it's even hard to comprehend how much there's, how much learnings inside of there. Yeah, and I think I, I share that intuition, and that's why I think there's kind of this 
you know, need for the fitness coach. I mean, not in, not in the sense that, I mean, like you were saying, you start out depending on them and as you grow, you become more and more autonomous, but there's this certain interesting thing where it's, it's like hiring, hiring a therapist too, where by being dependent on someone initially, you become more autonomous because they are pointing out stuff that you could not see yourself. Yes. Um, yes. And I was just curious your thoughts, you know, going back to what you were saying earlier about, let's say we could set up the perfect education system where, you know, zero to 18, we're, we're doing exactly what we think kids should for physical education. Um, you know, do you think there'd still be a ro- role for coaches after 18? I, I, pr- no. Okay. I so they, yeah. Everyone would just be programming for themselves. Is that the yeah. idea? Yeah, I know. And I, that's what I mentioned, as I said, the story is like, it's so hard to think about that because it, it just collapses a world, right? It collapses a whole profession, you know? Um, but, but I think the, the tripwire to that is just the way we've set up society. That's the tripwire to it. It's like our current experiences are tripping us up to the thought process of around people having liberation and freedom of their own physical expression because they were taught how to do it as a daily practice. Okay. Right. So everything that occurs into the reality today, or a lot of it, I'm being, I shouldn't say that a lot of it that occurs is to fix things. Gotcha. Right. It's to fix things. Um, it doesn't mean it's not admirable. (laughs) It doesn't mean it's not worthwhile. It doesn't mean you're not pushing a whole ton of people towards that autonomy. I just think our conversation and this whole topic will need to be massaged. It needs to be pushed out. It needs to be thought about more. And I would hope, (laughs) I would hope that before I die that, um, you know, I got, I think it's like 3 billion heartbeats. Before I get to the 3 billionth heartbeat, (laughs) which is kind of a cool number, by the way, um, in terms of math. So you see, I was inspired by that mathematical thing, the mathematical formula and tying into this finite piece um, that I see uh, lots of people at 18, um, not have a lot of struggle around the understanding of our story today, Robbie, um, of it just making sense of physical, you know, autonomy of them actually having the skills to, and this is your point to challenge themselves, right. To challenge themselves on what will be the next thing they're going to try to overcome as a physical challenge. Interesting. You see that? And that, I believe, like driving, <laughs> can be embedded in a short period of time from four to 18 years of age, where it becomes a daily practice. And all you do is, you know, five days a week inside the school, physical expression opportunities, and you slap a little bit of awareness on top of it as to what they're doing and why. And I think at 18, they have this 60 year story in front of them of like, hmm. How interesting this is going to be for me to challenge myself all this time. That's super interesting. So essentially the idea is like in that ideal world, a fitness coach is really a grade school, middle school or high school coach from four to 18. And then aside from specialized context, powerlifters or mixed modal, you know, competitive or something like that, the fitness coach isn't really needed. It's interesting. It would be the sport coach. And the doctor. Wow. That's it. Interesting. Super interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just curious because I, I feel like there are certain, th- you know, I mean, 
with autonomy, it's a tricky thing because on the one hand, we do want to be more in control of our lives, but you know, there, there are certain instances, again, therapy would be a famous example, but you know, could pick a health coach or other things where, or business coach, we're, we're having a third party perspective sometimes, um, provides a means for, um, uh, getting access to certain challenges that one couldn't doesn't yeah. think about or you know you know what I mean yeah so, totally. something to no. that effect, yeah. yeah no I got that I yeah I picked it up what you were saying of the the coach being in place to offer those things to get people to see what they can't see you know yeah and that's why I, I just stretched it out and proposed this concept where you already see what you need to see so there's nothing you need to be rehabbed out of okay interesting one question I, I do want to ask you um, that philosophers sometimes discuss is this, the way in which autonomy can sometimes be, you know, just like liberty and equality, the two can pull against each other, liberty and safety, autonomy and community and how the two relate to each other, but especially in the fitness realm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, so one could, I don't know that I agree with it. Uh, in fact, I probably don't, but you know, one could make the argument, well, is there, a way in which sacrificing the ideal program for me as an individual to then work out with others and have that collective mm. shared experience is, um, you know, worthwhile. Thoughts on the connection between those yeah. two? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I've done lots of thinking on this one um, to come up with even some concepts from the coach's lens as to what's admirable as a, as a way to think about this. And the way that I would ask people to think about it is um, to structure it in this idea of taking care of oneself first and almost maximizing that. And we can dig into whatever maximizing means. And I think it's about what we're talking about today, honestly, Um, before you're concerned about and want to blend and help others. So first itself, and if your definition of community and connection and the collective and systems and all those things, if your definition is that it all works together effectively, I would argue that unless each of these selves are maximized in terms of the understanding of autonomy, you can't move up another level and concern yourself of or be connected to trying to fix the next level up, which would be community groups, et cetera. So I would say self before others, and this is a coach's lens of how I used it to framework it, before others, right? Before systems, before the collective. So this is a coach's lens, not a client in terms of where does community fit in lens, coach's lens. So as a coach's lens, you need to get to take care of all your shit first. Competency, learn all the shit, do the kettlebell courses, you know what I mean? Like understand fitness, love fitness, be disciplined about it, read the books, do precision nutrition, like uh, self, right? Now you can truly, as defined by helping others, help others. Now you can help others. Now you need to then be in the trenches and work with a shit ton of people before you decide to run a business and have a system of helping others. Do you see that? So what was the preempt to doing a really good, great system, i.e. a business or teaching others about it? You got to be really good at helping others first. 
And how do you be really good at helping others first? You get to define what's really good as yourself first. Self, others, system, then you help the fitness collective. So let's back up and say, where does community come inside for that autonomy versus that? I think that person needs to have a really awesome grasp and be practicing in autonomy, all in on it, right? Bought into the concept of it before we can even have the conversation of them being a part of doing it with others. So can someone be participating with a community and also be striving towards and understand physical expression autonomy? Yes, most definitely, most definitely. It's just that where does it impart the, I guess, the language and definition of when they become a true part of the community and start helping others when they really haven't fully taken care of themselves and their own autonomous, you know, their own autonomy. And this, Robbie, whether you, you know, softballed that one for me or not, this is the big challenge in terms of system offerings today, right? Because system offerings today, there's not a lot of systems in place to honor the, the perspective of what's required previous to our conversation of making someone realize their physical potential journey and what it's going to look like because they get thrown into a community setting, i.e. others, too soon too soon. So it actually is all together, but in language of learning and adaptation, I think it needs to be demarcated that we need to define what's considered some loose form of what's, what's, what's a little bit of autonomy for that person before we discuss where is their autonomy amongst a community. So, I mean, just an analogy I'm thinking about as you're discussing this, correct me if you think this is, you know, not the right way to think about it, but something along the lines of, you know, get a base of gain and sustain before we even have the conversation about pain. So it's similar. I mean, obviously we're talking about autonomy versus community, oh, definitely. But, but a similar type idea where you're saying get these foundational pieces in place before we even have that discussion about what is currently the foundation, but should not be. Yeah. Yeah, that, and, a, and a same similar example, same similar example, uh, get your BLGs down first before we want to talk about a community uh, vegetable garden. You see that? I mean, that seems like a real simple, admirable thing, but it's like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Like, you got you to gotta honor sleeping eight hours a night for 460 days in a row. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like, well, let's just get there first. So this is what, I, and, and what is that? That is, your, that is Jane's story and Janice's story and Billy's thing. Billy needs to get really good at that first before he could participate in community activities that are for the purpose of improving others and of improving the system. And then all of us participate in improving the collective when all that is in order. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Good, good question. Well, you have any final thoughts on autonomy? I think we had a good discussion there. Yeah, I'm, I again, I love to recap the direction. I didn't know that it would be as important for myself to understand the concept of uh, the age that you threw into it. Um, that really makes us just more well-defined some of the challenges that are around reaching autonomy.
And I think I, I love the fact that we went in that, that uh, we went in that direction as a discovery after your um, pre-qualification of how it was defined and, and uh, for us to chew on a little bit. So I really like that as a recap. Yeah. And I mean, on my end, like I, I'm, I'm still probably be digesting this one for a while because it's just super interesting, but in any philosophy context, whenever you're discussing any concept, you're always, whenever you, you know, talk about what the ideal would be that helps, you know, you assess what the current is and just hearing you flesh out that uh, ideal of autonomy and fitness, you know, eventually being something like we, we've taught it to kids in school from four to 18 and then they are self-directing. I mean, just what a completely, like you were saying, novel and like really a uh, different way of thinking about things. So that, that for me is, is still, still uh, digesting that. And I think it's super interesting. It just, it helps elucidate the conversations we're having. Cause like you said, a lot of the way fitness is structured today is to correct things that were not set up correctly in, in the first place. So we have this concept of the fitness coach or, you know, the health coach. It's like, well, what if we were to teach everyone to learn this from the get go? If, if that's the ideal and leading to autonomy. So that, that, that on my end was yeah super interesting. So. Yeah. And uh, you know um, I love the, but I love also the fact that, and I've noted that to pull in the political and global and, and I guess we could say, the um, cosmopolitan concepts of how does that storyline fit in around the world, right? As a, as a concept, that would be really interesting to, to talk about because then it will still allow to the point, you know, uh, there'll be some challenges in different nations, for example, as to what they consider then, you know, daily physical practices, you know what I'm saying? If we assume that whole concept, and in other countries, I think like in the USA, it'll still end up being where we currently are today and 50 to 60% of most adults being obese. I still think, you know, that's, that's another interesting point of, or, or, you know, down the road, maybe we want to get into is that even though people may have the skills to know what they could do for physical potential and participation and all the technical capabilities they've been learned five days a week from four to 18 years of age, I still think it may present itself with a society that's allowed to do whatever they wish but because of the constructs of what an insurance would be around what our consideration is of sick care etc it creates a really weird zone uh, that i think would be worthwhile us discussing in the future oh i completely agree i mean like how many people i i can't think of a discussion where people talk about you know fitness as it relates to being a citizen. I mean, usually it's fitness in relation to being in the military or fitness in relation to exactly. being a football player or fitness in relation to not getting sick. Right. But what about fitness being, you know, a means of being a good citizen and then being a good nation and then how you relate to other nations. And yeah, I got, I got an idea. Why don't, why don't I uh, throw out some ideas on a knowledge series um, about uh, obligation and duty for fitness? That would be super interesting. Yeah. Well, let me have a go at it and see, uh, see if we get fired from the interwebs. <laughs> <laughs> Thank really you cool. so much, Robbie. I always appreciate you. uh, your ability to educate on the, uh, the basic things that we need as a, as, a, as a framework of understanding to have these conversations. So thanks. Yeah. And thank you. I, uh, yeah, I think one of the coolest things about philosophy is like broadening your mind and horizons and like just yeah every time i talk to you just different conceptual possibilities that i hadn't previously thought of so awesome likewise thanks for offering the space to do it that was the whole reason why i wanted to do it so i appreciate it yeah no problem
All right. Well, have a great day. Hey, take care.